0: Am I on air? Yeah. Okay. Welcome this morning, everybody, in the precious and wonderful name of Jesus. Hallelujah. If I remember well, uh, Chris and Maria. Uh, just uh, a little check. Is this? Wasn't he a uh, architect or so? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Okay. Then I know who it was and his name was Stakos. Yeah, Greek too, yes. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And it's wonderful to be here this morning in the precious name of Jesus. So I want to speak this morning on the resurrection. Uh, So we have got a few uh, days in a year where we can speak about things very important at Christmas that Jesus came to the earth and now at uh, resurrection I don't like to use the word Easter we know Easter is totally pagan and so but I refer to the resurrection of Jesus Christ and I want to read a scripture this morning in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the verses 12 to 23. Now if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is vain. Your faith also is vain. Moreover, we are even found to be false witnesses of God, because we testify against God that He is raised. raised Christ, whom he did not rise, if in fact the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless. You are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If we have hoped in Christ in this life alone, we are of all men most to be pitied. But now Christ has risen, has been risen from the dead, the first fruit of those who are asleep. For since by a man came death, by a man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all will be made alive. But each in his own order. Christ, the first fruit, after death, those who are Christ shall, are Christ at his coming. The Lord is coming again. Amen. What a wonderful message we have this morning. Jesus has risen. Hallelujah. And in the Easter church, it was normal on, on uh, Easter, I mean not Easter as Essex, uh, but Eastern church. You know, in Russia and so on, and perhaps also in the Greek church, the people were greeted, Christ has risen, and the church answered he has risen indeed. Hallelujah. And that's a wonderful confirmation. Jesus Christ has risen indeed. No matter what people think and what people say, what some theologian think, Christ has risen. Hallelujah. And he is here this morning. Blessed be the name of the Lord. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is a centerpiece in our faith. A stumbling block for those who are unbelievers, and a reason for sneering of philosophers. And we know the apostle Paul. He was in Athens on the Areopagus, and he preached about Jesus Christ there. In Acts chapter 17, the verses 31 and 32 because he has fixed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness through one man whom he has appointed, having furnished proof for all men by raising him from the dead. Now, when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, they said, and sneered at the Apostle Paul. And others said, we want to hear more of you about this. The word resurrection was for them somehow a stumbling block. And others said, well, we want to hear more about it. Do you want to hear more about it? Yes or no? Do you want to hear hear more about it. And here is Paul, the same Paul who spoke then on the Areopagus before the Greek. And he was sneered at, and people laughed at him. And others can say, Paul, can you tell us something more about it? And I'm standing here in front of you in the place of Paul, but I've got his words. And that's what he wrote to the um, Corinthians about this wonderful fact of resurrection. Hallelujah. Jesus has risen. He has risen in... What about happened? What's happened? You. <laughs> Jesus has risen, and he has risen in... Indeed. Indeed. Amen. Let's get excited about it. Jesus didn't finish at the cross. Of course, he finished the work of God on the cross. But he is alive. He rose again. Hallelujah. There was a missionary couple somewhere in South America. And the father was a pastor. And he took his son uh, to the different churches. And everywhere they got, they had Jesus on the cross. And then they came home. And uh, at home they had their night uh, Evening, or a little bit of a uh, uh, devotional thing, and then the boy said, Dad, this, and he was reading the resurrection. This is the most wonderful story the whole day. I've seen a death Jesus on the crosses in all these churches, but he has risen. Hallelujah! All opposition. And all snaring at Jesus, debating does not change a little bit that Jesus has risen from the dead. Hallelujah. And he has indeed. The resurrection, that's my first point, of Jesus is a proven fact. The resurrection of Jesus is a proven fact. And we might not get embarrassed when we preach and speak about that Jesus rose again. Amen. Are you embarrassed about it? No. Hallelujah. And when I watched this little videotape, I think it came from Car or whoever it was. She does all these things, you know, uh, on the Facebook. And I must say, I can say it, James is not here. But I, I was glad hearing James preaching and he went on, like a steamroller. He preached and preached and preached and preached, and a little girl with a thing, she was barking up the wrong tree, wasn't she? She should have gone to, to those who have done it. We have nothing to do with it. We have got a wonderful gospel. And James was preaching, and I said, oh Lord, I thank you for this man. Yeah, of course, Pastor Gary, uh, you as well. And go ahead and preach the gospel. He has risen, hallelujah. He has risen, hallelujah. Now, let all liberal theologians sell the resurrection of Jesus Christ to the Muslims, enjoining the denial that Jesus Christ died on the cross and rose again in the name of multi-faith services or whatever they have sometimes. And I must say, I can get madly, madly upset if people speak of the gospel of Jesus Christ as of a religion. Did you know we are not religious people? Any religious person here let me see, you have to be converted to to come to the Lord. The Bible doesn't speak about religion. and somebody came and he thought he has caught me now. But I went into the Bible. If you want to know something, you have to look into the Bible. And I looked into the Bible and somebody said, "Yeah." What about there in James chapter 1, verses 26 and 27? And indeed it says, religious, but that is a false and a wrong translation. Did you know that? Yeah, you have to read the Bible, then you find it out. And he said, well, James says there, if anyone thinks himself to be religious, actually the Greek word is freskos. Threskos is not religion. Threskos means serving God. If anyone thinks he serves God, and he can't bridle his tongue, and there again, his religion is nothing. But then again, the Greek word says, his Theskia is nothing. His serving to God is nothing. So, these two religious words have been cancelled out if you go back to the Bible. If you don't go back to the Bible, you would use the word religion. I never use the word religion in terms of salvation. Hallelujah. I hate religion. I'm not a religious man. I'm not a minister of religion. That is the title of a pastor here in Australia. We don't have it in Germany. I'm not a minister of religion. I'm a minister of Jesus Christ. I'm going to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Now keep in mind, religion is man seeking God. The gospel is diametric, different and opposite. It is this, God is seeking man who was lost in Eden. Who was lost in Eden? God or Adam and Eve? Adam and Eve. Religion is this coming back to God because we sense somehow there must be a God, as the Greek did in Acts 17. But then Paul told him very clearly, there's a day going to come, and I read the scripture that God is going to judge the whole world through one man and through whom he proved that he is the one, that he rose from the dead. Amen? He rose from the dead. Should we practice again? Jesus has risen. He has risen. What a poor echo. <laughs> what a poor echo. Jesus has risen. He has risen in? Indeed. Indeed. Yes, that's what I want to hear. Indeed. Praise the Lord. And that's so wonderful. His resurrection was proven by his enemies too. Remember my first point is, the resurrection of Jesus Christ has been proven and has been proven by his enemies too in Matthew chapter 28, the verses 11 to 15. Get your Bible. Now while they were on their way, some of the guards came into the city and reported to the chief priests all that happened. And when they had assembled with the elders and counselled together, they gave a large sum of money to the soldiers and said, you are to say his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep. And if this should come to the governor's ear, we will, we will win him over and keep you out of trouble. And they took the money and did as they had been instructed. And this story was widely spread among the Jews in his soul today. So, the unbelievers or even his enemies, they paid a large sum in order to spread the rumor his, his disciples came and they took him away and now claim he has been risen. Now I tell you what the story says very clearly here. Jesus has risen and this this great sum was a wonderful bribery for these soldiers. They took the money and said, well, it's not so. These disciples came and they stole him. Jesus has risen indeed. Hallelujah. The disciples didn't come. Of course, they came to the, uh, to the tomb. And they found something. It's empty. Who has taken him away? And there was Mary's question. Rabbi, who has taken my Lord away? She met Jesus in John, we read it. She met Jesus there at the tomb. Said, who has taken my master, my Lord away? And Jesus said, Mary. And all of a sudden it clicked with her. This is Jesus who's standing before me. Don't touch me, he said, because I haven't. And been raised up again as yet. Now we see here the bribery was for nothing and Jesus rose again. Hallelujah. Now his resurrection was witnessed by all disciples and in one case more than 500 people. Get me 500 people and I take them to the court and let them testify something they have really seen. There's no court in the world who wouldn't take the testimony of 500 people. The old would say the testimony of 500 people is right. Jesus has risen. Hallelujah. Can you see how clear and perfect the Bible is? And Paul brought it very, very clearly. He wanted to bring the proof that everybody who would read something about this in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, that he can be sure Jesus has risen. He has risen indeed. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, also his prophecy or his resurrection was prophetically proven. And we read it in Luke 24. Isn't it amazing how much we have in the Bible where it's been proven Jesus has risen again? In Luke 24, the verses 25 and 26. And he said to them, O oh, foolish men, slow and hard to believe all that, had, that the prophets have spoken. Wasn't it necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and to enter into his glory. And beginning with Moses and with all the prophets, he explained to them the things concerning himself and all the scriptures. So, Jesus himself, you know these two disciples who were on the road to Amos, and then all of a sudden Jesus came there said, oh, you foolish man and slow of heart. The penny doesn't drop with you, let me put it this way. Can't you understand all these things when necessary that Jesus should suffer and die and rise up and should be go into his glory. Where is Jesus now, Peter? In glory, Hallelujah and glory at the right hand of the Father. Hallelujah. Now my next point is, his resurrection makes sense to Calvary. Hallelujah. His resurrection makes sense to Calvary. Salvation message is linked to eternity. And that's so important. It's all about eternal life. Either eternal heaven or eternal hell. That's very clear. And now the resurrection brings very clear this point. A so-called social gospel is just a good thing to help people here on the earth and send them to hell. But the gospel of Jesus Christ is an eternal gospel. Amen. It's not a gospel just from yesterday. It's an eternal gospel of Jesus Christ. Ecclesia chapter 3 verse 11 says, He has also set eternity in their heart. Hallelujah. You know there's a famous man in Australia, or was a famous man, who knows that name of this famous Sydney man. Arthur states, the man who was in his heart being gripped by one word only, there was the word eternity. In one way I was proud to belong in one way to Australia. People don't realize me as an Australian, I can't speak the Australian slang. I'm trying to speak English and I've got trouble enough with that let alone speaking or Australian slang. I'm reading his book. This book from Arthur State. He was a man who was so down. He was a pimp in his sister's brothel in uh, Sydney. But one day he came through a little church somewhere in Sydney, and he got saved, hallelujah. And there's something that was in his heart. And he learned to write nicely. And if you look at his writing, eternity. And did you know, when we had the change of the millennium, on the harbor bridge was one great word written, and there was what? Eternity. When I ever was proud of the Australians, was there. Here's an uh, Australian man who wrote, and everywhere he went, he wrote on the footpath past eternity with nice writing. I can't write that nicely. And he wrote it nicely on the ground. The next day he went to the place and started preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah! God has put something in every human and it is the word eternity. Eternity. Unless we are living for eternity, everything is for nothing. You can have millions on this earth but if your eternity is not secured, you're living in vain and everything is in vain. Jesus is the beginning of resur- resurrections. Did you listen to me what I said? He is the beginning of resurrections, plural. Hallelujah. And that's so important. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 20. It says that he is the first fruit. And now I have to take you a little bit to Greece. And you all know the first sentence in the Gospel of John. You know, the first fruit, the Greek word is apachē. There's one word in there. Which word is there? Every Greek knows that. Archē. What is archē? Is the beginning. If Christ is the apache, that means the beginning of resurrection. That means there are resurrections to follow. Is that right? Here is the beginning, the first fruit, Paul says. Now you people from, let me say, from Park, all you philosophers, philosophers, you should have been here this morning and you can hear something more, something more about this Jesus. There are more resurrections to come. Did you know that? And there the Bible says very clearly, there's going to be the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he who will be at the first resurrection. And that's so important. When Jesus Christ is coming again, there will be a resurrection. Hallelujah. Now let's read in First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 20. But now Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruit of those who are asleep. So, if he's the first one, there will be a resurrection, even more resurrections. Hallelujah. And that's so wonderful. Yes? 23? Yes. You're right. Now, there's a sequence of resurrections. There are more resurrections to come. Christ rose on the first day. After the Passover. There will be a resurrection for all believers. It will be at the coming of the Lord. Hallelujah. That's the first resurrection. And blessed be the wonderful name of Jesus. Now, at this first resurrection, who will be there? All those who fell asleep with Jesus who believed in Jesus, there is a resurrection coming. Some say something a little bit, let me say, uh, as a scoffing. Who will be there? The dead in Christ. And they said, well, it refers to churches who are dead. No, no, no. Dead churches will not be raised again unless they repent. Those who have died in Christ who had the faith in Jesus Christ and fell asleep. Hallelujah. And I almost belonged to one of them a year ago or a little bit more. But the Lord raised me up again. Hallelujah. And I'm rejoicing in the Lord. Amen. And if anybody will go asleep before the Lord has come and you believe in Jesus, you will be there at the first resurrection. Hallelujah. And I've got more to preach about the resurrection. All martyrs, past and future, and those who stood their ground, if they would come into the great tribulation and have not taken the mark of the beast. They will be there. Hallelujah. And you and I, we will be there. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is a blessed hope we have in him. Hallelujah. Revelation 19, verse 9. I might have to read the scripture quickly. Then he said to me, Right. Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are true words of God. Of course, you don't invite dead people for a wedding, do you? And blessed are those who have been invited. I've been invited. Anybody here who has been invited to the Supper of the Lamb. Okay. What is important? We must rise again before. And there will be a resurrection of all those who have been blood washed. Hallelujah. For a wonderful, wonderful marriage supper of the Lamb. Now, His resurrection demands the resurrection of all humans. There is a resurrection before the great white throne. The Bible says, And the earth and heaven will flee from its presence. All men will stand before God, the great and the famous. And even those who are not famous, they will stand one day before the throne of God. All the kings and emperors, great and small, all politicians, Stalin, Hitler, Churchill, Napoleon, all these will be standing there at the white throne one day. All movie stars who were worshipped by people when they got their logies, you know, what you call them again, you know, nomination Oscar whatever the name is. Oscar nomination can't bother me at all. They, they have been worshipped by people and say, well, this is my hero. I have got no hero in Hollywood. Amen. Anybody has a hero in Hollywood? Give your life to Jesus. And he is the hero of my soul. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, I have to keep going all the beggars and former drunkards, all drug pushers, and every family will stand before God's throne. The resurrection is a kind of multiplication, and also the resurrection is a wonderful magnification do you understand it multiplication and magnification what is this what do you want to say Pastor Werner very simple very simple there were some Greeks coming to Philip and they said sir we want to see Jesus and they went to Jesus Listen, there's some Greeks they want to see you What did Jesus say? Here I am, send him to me. Have you read the scripture there? In John 12, 24. He says, unless a a grain of wheat falls in the ground and dies, otherwise it will be Remain alone. But if it dies, if it dies, then we know the language of Jesus, don't we? We know the way he makes parables. We know. And the grain is himself. He was put in on the cross. He died. Then he was put in the ground. Or let me so say in the tomb. And what happened? This grain Grew up. Amen. Hallelujah. You and I. We are a grain. In his ear. That ear came up. And many many. Many grains. Now what is it? And we read it also. In Matthew. Chapter 13. There will be multiplication. From one grain. There can be hundredfold sixtyfold and thirtyfold if Jesus refers this to his resurrection that means our resurrection also will be a kind of multiplication have you ever wondered John the disciple of Jesus he knew Jesus very well and he was leaning at his chest you know And when he saw Jesus, after Jesus was glorified in Revelation, he saw him and he fell before him like a dead man. What glory, what power went out from Jesus. Magnification also. And that's why after his resurrection, he said very clearly, all authority has been given unto me in heaven and on earth do you believe it amen this is magnification that's why let's praise the lord and magnify his name hallelujah oh jesus is wonderful jesus is wonderful amen hallelujah i preach once in an American church in Germany. And there was, there were servicemen. And many of them were uh, Afro-Americans. And as I preached there, and every now and then, I might have said a wonderful thought. And you know what they said? Aha, uh-huh. aha. Uh-huh. When I preach about Jesus, or Pastor Gary, if he preaches about Jesus, we must have this aha effect. Aha. Yes. Yes, I take it. I believe it. That's how wonderful Jesus is. And do you know, you will be magnified as well to the glory of the Father. And even the smallest things you have done for Jesus will be a great thing. Hallelujah. And chapter 25 in Matthew, Jesus speaks about there, you know, and he said, whatever you have done to one of the least of mine, you have done it to me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You have done it to me. That means a friendly word. A word of encouragement to a brother and sister it will not be unrecognized by Jesus and at the resurrection and when you are arrived there before the Lord he will say I remember that when you took your hand and stroked it over one of the little boys in your church. I I remember that. I remember that and how his heart was full of joy, being recognized by a so-called grown-up. Now, these things, whatever you have done, even the smallest things, you have done it to, to me. This is multiplication, and you will see the glory of God in such a wonderful way, Hallelujah. And I've got a scripture for you too. In Daniel chapter, let's go Daniel chapter 12. There's a wonderful verse of resurrection. 12 verse 2, Daniel 12 verse 2. I thought I made a little... Take in there, and I can't find it, but I find the scripture now. Daniel chapter 12 verse two. there it is. Many of those, listen, many of those who sleep in the dust of the ground will awake. It's not a nice place to lay in the dust of the ground. But that's what Daniel received from the Lord. Many of those who sleep in the dust of the ground will awake these to it everlasting life, but the others to disgrace and everlasting content. Do you see two different things? And on both sides is a multiplication and also magnification. Eternal life! What a wonderful multiplication! Hallelujah! It's not only seventy years, not only sixty or eighty years. It's a whole eternity with Jesus. Amen. Amen. Can I hear now? An aha, uh-huh. uh-huh. A whole eternity with Jesus. Aha! Uh-huh. Praise the Lord. That's all about resurrection. And I don't care if people say Jesus has not really risen. I don't care. But Paul told me more about this resurrection he started to talk about on the Areopark in Athens, in Greek. Isn't it wonderful what he said? Others wanted to hear more can you tell us more about? Here we are. We are the ones who have heard more about that resurrection. Amen? Hallelujah. The Lord is good. Am I finished with my sermon? Let me have a look. Now, as the positive and the good thing is being magnified, is being also multiplied. The same thing, I'm afraid, will happen on the other side. That means, in the resurrection, your sins will stand before you like a great wall if you are not being washed in the blood of the Lamb. No matter, no matter. And it's so important even if you have walked with Jesus and went away and made a step backwards, all your righteousness will not be thought about anymore. There's only one way. Following Jesus now and now forever and totally following. Amen? Hallelujah. Don't believe this stuff and it mustn't be in your life. Oh, when I was young, a kid, I went to Sunday school, I believed in Jesus. But then, then when I got a young man, a young girl, there were so many things in the world and I left Jesus. What do you mean, what do you mean I left Jesus? Why do you leave Jesus? Yeah, well, the things were so important. My career and all that. There is no excuse in the whole world to leave Jesus. And you know what the Bible says? The Bible says this very clearly. Ezekiel. I think chapter 19 it is. Ezekiel 19, verses 21, 22, 23, 24. But if the wicked man turns from all his sins which he has committed and observes all my statutes, practice justice and righteousness, he shall surely live. He shall not die all his transgression which he has committed will not be remembered against him. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Aha, aha, aha. All his deeds he did, all his unrighteousness he has done will not be no more remembered. Hallelujah. Isn't it wonderful? All my sins will no longer be remembered. Hallelujah! God can switch off and say, I don't remember anymore. And if you said, I don't remember it anymore, he doesn't, amen? Uh-huh. We forgive, yeah, aha, uh-huh, that's right. We forgive people, but somehow we have got a very good computer here and everything is being put in here. Yeah, but I remember, you know, and you just want to, you just want to, or could say one word and all of a sudden you remind that person on his or her fault then. God doesn't do it, amen? That's how complete God's forgiveness is. Do I have any pleasure in the death of the wicked, declares the Lord God, rather than that he should turn from his way and live? But when our righteous man, now listen, this is dangerous, dangerous stuff. But when a righteous man turns away from his righteousness, commits iniquity, and does according to all the abomination that a wicked man does, will he live? All his righteous deeds which he has done will not be remembered for his treachery which he has committed and his sin which he has committed for them he will die all the righteousness all the righteousness he experienced will not no longer be remembered Is there the righteousness we took on through Jesus Christ in our life? Come and say, Lord, when I was a young man, I believed in you. And Jesus said, "I don't know where are you from." You know the scripture. And Matthew, you know the scripture. Go from me, your evil doers. All our sins. And I want to finish that sermon. I'm not quite finished yet, but I get all your sins will be magnified before God. A little lie will stand as a big con before God. Every little immoral thought will be before God as gross immorality. shameful and indecent acts of homosexuals and lesbians will be before God. Utterly abominable. Utterly abominable. Every little gossip you indulge in will be a full scale full-scale of slender. And every little darkness in your heart will turn into pitch-black darkness. You can feel. Okay. I know what I'm saying here. Do you you know the ten plagues, yes? And one of the plagues in Egypt, what was that? Darkness. And have you read it? And I read it recently again. I give you the scripture in Exodus chapter 10, verse 21. And Moses and Aaron said, there will be a darkness that will be, there will be, and you my wife. he spoke about. Yes. She knows what I preach. Sometimes we talk about it a little bit. But you were also in the Bible study. And it says there, get your Bible. Have we, can we have it here? No, okay, otherwise I'm going to. Exodus chapter 10, verse 21. A darkness that will be filled. Not seen or not seen. You know what it is? You know what it is? Yes? Have you got it up there? Exodus 10 21. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Then the Lord said to Moses, verse 21: stretch out your hand toward the sky that there may be darkness over the land of Egypt, even darkness which may be filled. What darkness is that? What darkness is that? Scary darkness. My wife and I We went many times to Sweden and we went through Denmark and somehow as soon as he came in Flensburg, the most northern northern city in Germany, as soon as he came into Denmark, there was then already 30, 35 years ago. 50 years perhaps. Yes? Because Denmark was then in Germany the first state who had pornography. And if you came over there, you could see all the things of pornography but all the shops there. And as a Christian, when we moved there, I felt a darkness, a demonic Darkness there. I felt darkness. You can feel darkness. If you are a child of life, you will feel darkness. And that's what it was then there in Egypt. But Jesus says, I am the light. Hallelujah. And the rising of the S-U-N is a is a picture of the rising of the S-O-N. Yes? You've heard it many times from Jacob Prash. Yes? The rising of the S U N is a picture of the rising of the (laughs) S-O-N. Hallelujah. Now I finish my preaching. Yes. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your loving kindness. I thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, that you will come again. And I thank you for the great hope we have. Lord, I thank you that you rose again. Hallelujah. I've got a song for you. And listen to this song. It's in English. And it's good, yes? So wonderful song.